Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to the 5th of June 2019 Hong Kong Stories podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. Life is not always straightforward. We get ready for a day's work in the morning when the sun is shining and find ourselves drenched to the skin by 11 a.m. because we didn't think we'd need an umbrella. We plan to meet friends for dinner, but there's a gathering in Victoria Park, and we end up there instead. We plan to go straight home after work to get some sleep, but a good friend has just flown into town for a few hours on a stopover, so it's a drink near the airport express and another late night. Things don't always work out as planned, and as we go about our business this week, we'll be listening to two stories that had slightly different endings than predicted. Before we get to the stories, though, a huge thank you goes out to our listeners in Hong Kong. Not only do you listen regularly to this podcast, but you fill our audience for live shows as well. Your support is appreciated. Thanks to go out this week to listeners in Salem, Oregon, and Yorba Linda in California in the USA, Lachin in Canada, and Zagreb in Croatia. Thanks for letting our stories into your ears. Our next live show is coming up on the 26th of June and has the theme, Rewind. Our storytellers are busy pitching their stories to the host, Neherika, before revising and refining them for your ears. Get your tickets by following the links on the website, hongkongstories.com. Hong Kong Stories. It's better than comedy. It's better than drama. It's real life. And now from a show from January 2019 with the theme of New Territories, performed before a live audience at the Fringe Club, here is Janita. In my quest to push the boundaries, to try something new, to experience some inner personal growth, I chanced upon this intriguing adventure on the internet. Four days on some rocky outcrop near Sai Kung in Hong Kong's New Territories, where participants could experience the wonders of dramatic improvisation through movement, using natural locations as inspiring backdrops. Now, I know it's not everybody's cup of tea, but you must remember that my motivation was to try something different, and what could be more different than this? So on a hot Thursday afternoon, I set off to meet my fellow enthusiastic team. Rucksack fully laden, we set off on a sampan for what promises to be four days of, on a secluded wilderness. The team consisted of three like-minded adventurers with varying degrees of experience in drama and three professionals who were leading the course with experience in drama, um, movement, and singing. Yep, singing. I hadn't got that memo. But the enthusiasm was infectious, and everyone was smiling and expecting to grow. Now, we were staying um, in a hostel, and even though it was a little bit grubby and a bit basic, it functioned. And just at the entrance was the jetty, which led to a long wooden pier that jutted out into the sea. The scene was remarkable, with the dark blue hues of the sea against the 
dark green foliage of the islands. And only a couple of hours from Central. Admittedly, on a train, a minibus, a double-decker bus, and a boat. <laughs> but you could imagine yourself there, completely alone, miles away from anywhere and anyone. So it was decided that this would be the ideal spot later that evening for a bit of meditation. Now, I don't know how you get on with meditation, but meditation and I are not good friends. <laughs> we don't really understand each other, but we are quite happy to engage in civil conversation. And anyway, I am looking for interpersonal growth, so maybe this is the ideal start, and I'm willing. So we dump our bags in a very small dorm room that we're going to be sharing and change into our perfectly fitting meditation lycra outfits and head down to the pier for some peace and tranquility. But we are not the only ones. When we get there, we find eight to 10 older Chinese locals who've had the similar idea, except this is a public holiday and they're not looking for peace and tranquility. They are looking to party. There's beer and spirits and music and shouting, the loudest shouting. Now, you'd think that meditation at this point might be off the cards, but you must remember we were with professionals and they don't give up so easily. <laughs> and after all, isn't meditation the art of being able to block out your surroundings and focus on that inner peace? So we settle ourselves down on a few wooden slats as far away as possible from the party. And we're asked to close our eyes. And someone starts humming. And then a few others join in. Seems to be a bit of a thing. So I do too. <laughs> and against the backdrop of celebration, Meditation Michael begins his narrative to take us on a path to some kind of nirvana. Listen to the rhythm of your heart. Listen to the beat and let it resonate through your body. I tried. <laughs> I really did. But the only beat that I can hear was coming from the other side of the pier. From a track I can only imagine was from the celebrated album Popular Chinese Hits, 1982. You had to laugh, you really did. I even sneaked a peek at the rest of the, of the, rest of the group to see if the humor was spreading. But there was nothing, not even a twitch. The music was getting so loud at this point, I could actually feel it vibrating underneath me. But Michael continues. Let your mind reach out into the empty space within. Let go of all external elements and reach out to the silence. You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> I sneak another peek and there's still absolutely no recognition of the reality of our situation. 
And I begin to think, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm skimping on the old concentration front, and I just need to try harder. So I squeeze my eyes shut, and I try to listen to my heart, which seems to be beating rather louder and faster than I remember when we first started the exercise. And I really focus, and I try to listen to my inner voice. And it says, you know you look ridiculous right now. <laughs> that is not the sound of an inner voice. It's too scathing, too cynical, too still in touch with reality. But then another sound pushes through. And this one is more gentle. It's a kind of buzzing reverberation that flows between one ear and the other and back again. And I think, is this it? Have I finally found some melodious manifestation of higher being? But the moment is broken by the sound of pounding feet. And then a woman screams, in delight or pain, I don't know. I just know that it's one hell of a commotion and I can't stop it from crashing in on me. So I open my eyes and I see three or four old Chinese ladies looking skyward, pointing and jeering. It's a flying drone, pitching down, then skywards, over our group in a never-ending loop of scrutiny. And the group does nothing, <laughs> says nothing. Whilst they are all lying down and relaxed, I feel every sinew tense and shortened. I push my hands to my ears to block out the hideousness of the situation, and my inner voice pipes up. What the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> Frankly, I'm disappointed in my inner voice. It's not what I was hoping for. It's supposed to be nurturing and supportive, a guide to inner peace. Mine isn't anything like that. Finally, Michael brings the session to an end. And breathe in and breathe out and open your eyes. He's a bit surprised to see me tight in a ball, like in the fetal position upended with a pulsating migraine burrowing into my brain eating one cell at a time like some neurological insatiable Pac-Man. The next morning, I wake up in a small room, sweating profusely. I'm going to be sick. Michael has to arrange for me to stay at the hostel for the entire day, whilst he takes the rest of the group to the other side of the island to enjoy the wonders of dramatic improvisation through movement, using natural locations for inspiring backdrops. This is day one of my four-day course. <laughs> my inner voice is calm and reassuring. Let's not do growing today. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you.
Not every day is a day for growing. Still, it is good to challenge yourself and try new experiences. Janita started telling with Hong Kong stories by trying out a new experience too. She came to one of our free weekly workshops. You too can find out how to tell your own stories and develop the skills that Janita has by coming along to one of our workshops. Find out more information at hongkongstories.com. Our second story today is also a story of a journey. Here with a story from 2017 is Jen. In 2004, I moved way up north to Harbin, China. It's not far from the border with Siberia, and it's home to an ice sculpture festival. It was not home 13 years ago to very many English-speaking foreigners. But that was part of the reason why I decided to go and live up there. I wanted to meet the locals and learn the culture. And I had a ready-made opportunity in two young female Chinese teachers in the English department of the university that had hired me. They turned up at the door of my teacher's dorm on my first day and informed me that they were there to be my friends. We will show you everything you need to know, chirped one who wanted me to call her Candace. And as they came in, the other one turned to me and said, I am very excited to meet you. You are living my dream of working abroad. Right? She repeated Candace's offer and then said, but first, I need your help. I want to give you my English name, but the last foreign teacher here told me that my choice was too special. My, Chinese, my name in Chinese is Yunhong, which I know means red cloud in English. Is this name too special? Well, you know, it's a little unusual, but if you like it, it's fine. It's your name. Yes, but did you ever meet anyone who had this name before? Uh, no, no. But I did have a friend called Red once. Red. I will choose Red. Thank you. You can call me Red. And that was it. We were friends. And I had someone to show me around and, and answer any questions that I had. Not that there were very many places to be shown around to. My school was kind of isolated. There were lots of farms and factories around. But there was a small shopping center about 20 minutes away by bus. And sometimes for exercise, I would walk there. This walking thing horrified Red and Candace, partly because they didn't really like walking, but also because I would do it alone. Now, I thought they were worried because I couldn't communicate with anybody. But I didn't let that bother me. I knew if I was going to learn the language, I needed to get out there and take some risks. So one Saturday morning, I decided to go out and get some groceries at the shopping center. And the way there, I had to cross this path to this side road where a lot of taxi drivers would go and park their cars and take their breaks. And there was a large group standing around, and somebody shouted out when I walked past, but I didn't know anybody, so I just ignored it. I got a little bit farther, and then I could hear the sound of footsteps running behind me. And before I could turn around, somebody grabbed my shoulders and started pushing me off the sidewalk and into the bushes. So I spun around, and the guy broke off, and I stood there looking at this taxi driver. And I couldn't help but notice that he looked more surprised than I did by my reaction. We just stared at each other for a few minutes in silence. And then he did this towards the bushes as if I was going to follow him in there. 
are you kidding me? I turned around and marched off, and he didn't follow. There were other people on the road that morning, and some of them had stopped, but nobody had said anything. I figured it was just a language thing, but oh no, Red explained it to me when I told her and Candace about the incident later. They think you are a prostitute. What? Yes, in Harbin there are many girls in the bars who dance with no clothes on. A lot of them are Russian. You look like a Russian, and you were walking on the street alone. They think you are a prostitute. Going for groceries on a Saturday morning? Sure. Well, shouldn't they get the hint when I start yelling and help me out? Why? So I turned to Candace to get her take on things, and I just got scolded for being too independent. That's why I never go anywhere without my boyfriend, she told me. Fantastic. So that was the end of the conversation. Now, this was not the first time that I'd been harassed. Walking while being female is a hazardous activity. But it was their reaction that gutted me. In my experience, women are supposed to have each other's backs, and we commiserate over having to put up with this shit. We do not just accept that it's the way things are and then adjust our behavior, and we certainly do not blame each other for getting attacked. So I just gave up on them, and I started spending more and more time on my own. A couple of months later, on a particularly sunny day, an unusually sunny day, I decided to go into Harbin and walk along the Songhua River. I stopped at one point to watch the kites, watch people flying kites, and shortly a Chinese man sat down next to me and just started staring. So I asked him what was up. Neo Shemasha, I said. This opened the door for him to start chatting with me. Now, my Mandarin was very functional at that point. Random small talk was a little bit difficult. I thought that he said that it was really sunny, so I agreed. And then I thought he said that it was too sunny, and he wanted me to go with him to some place with more shade. But I wasn't sure that's what he'd said, so I just shook my head and tentatively said, uh, we'll He laughed in my face and then grabbed my arm and tried to pull me off the bench. So I jumped up and pulled away from him and screamed, Gun Kai! My pronunciation sucks, but he understood from my actions that he was being told to fuck off, and he looked angry. He formed a fist and his arm tightened. I braced myself. And then he paused and took a step back. And then I looked around and realized that a couple of people had stopped and were looking at us. So I took advantage of his hesitation, and I took off. And as I walked away, I noticed again that nobody was intervening. Had the girls been right? Had these people just taken a look at me and decided that I wasn't worth bothering with? That thought was worse than the actual physical intrusion. So by the time I got back to campus, I was seething with anger over the attack, over how people had reacted, and I really needed to vent to somebody. But I thought I would lose it if I had to hear Candace and Red tell me, I told you so. So I ended up making a really expensive long-distance call to a friend back in Canada, and she gave me the support I needed. But even she couldn't help but question some of my choices. Why the fuck are you living there again? 
couple months later, it's the end of my contract, and once I've confirmed that I am not going to renew, Candace and Red invited me out to dinner to say goodbye. So we went to a fake Western restaurant, had really terrible food, and struggled to have conversation. To cover over the silences, I went on very enthusiastically about how happy I was to get out of Harbin, and when I got to the part of telling them that I was moving on to a job in Beijing, Red cut me off. You could go anywhere, she said. I would go out of China if I could. Candace added, I don't think you like China. And I felt terrible that that was the impression that I was leaving with them. These two ladies had come right to my doorstep, willing to befriend me. And I hadn't given them a chance. Thanks for listening to today's story brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. Our heroes of this podcast are Jen, who curated and directed the January 2019 show, and to Neherika for all her hard work during the recent Hong Kong Spoken Word Festival. The music for this podcast was created and performed by Andrew Robert Smith. Everyone has a story to tell. <laughs>